0: Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring him pleasure. Happy Musing. Did you know that uh, God is going to demand someday to go through your portfolio? Yeah, how you've invested, you know, your money, but I'm thinking in your resource, but I'm thinking more how you invested your life, your talent, your time, as well as your treasure. I mean, he's going to look at how you invested your life. And, and so if he, he's going to do that someday, if he took a peek today, what would he see? how are you investing your life so far? I mean, how much of your life is invested? Do you have your life invested and where is it invested? What do you have your life invested in? Are you investing, do you have a spiritual portfolio? Uh, I think that when Jesus came and chose his disciples, he, he challenged them to believe in him. But more than that, he, cha- he challenged them to follow him. Uh, even more than that, I think that he challenged them to invest their lives in this kingdom that he was about to bring uh, to the earth. And to, uh, it's not that he was trying to you know, put some venture capital together and, you know, and he needed their money or needed anything from them. I don't think that he needed anything from them. I think he was uh, uh, telling his disciples that they needed to invest in what he was about to, to bring. Uh, for both their uh, good on the earth, but primarily for the eternal state. I don't think that he was, a- uh, he was asking his disciples. When I read the Gospels, I don't think Jesus was asking the disciples to spend their lives doing this or doing that or thinking this or thinking that or believing this or believing... I don't think he-, he was challenging them to spend their lives at all. I think he was challenging them to invest their lives. There's a big difference between spending your life and investing it. And uh, when you've spent your life, at the end of your life, what is it? Spent. Um, You know, uh, in Spanish, the same word for to spend is to waste or to have wasted. Gastado, I think, is to have wasted. Gastar is to spend. I don't want to spend my life, and I don't want to waste my life. I want to invest it. I wanna invest it in something beyond me in something that eternally matters. And I think that's what Jesus took his disciples into uh, in in the parable we're about to read. In fact, when Jesus wants to teach a, a significant truth to his disciples, he usually does it in story form. And we call them parables, don't we? And so in Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 11, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was gonna appear at once. Let's just, let me just read a verse and then talk and read a verse and talk. How you, you, you good with that? Um, I like it when the, the parables tell us a little bit about why he's telling the parable. I, you know, because parables are difficult enough uh, uh, as it is without us having some context or the purpose for, for which Jesus told the story. In this case, it's because there are people uh, that thought the kingdom of God was gonna appear at once. Well, uh, when Jesus was on the earth 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of God was not appearing at once. When does it appear? Well, it kind of appears at twice. Because Jesus comes twice, right? He came once, and he's gonna come a second time. And so the king, when the king appears, that's when the kingdom happens. But of course, when he came the first time, he established, the spiritual dynamic of his kingdom that changes people's hearts. It's that way the kingdom works through people's hearts, transformation of life and such. When Jesus comes back the second time, then that's the completion of, I don't mean the completion of the plan and it's all over now, but I mean that's the culmination of the establishing of the kingdom of God, not only on the earth, but throughout uh, the universe. But it doesn't come at once, in other words, Jesus was saying, I'm gonna tell you a story to say that the kingdom, you're gonna to have to do some waiting still. In other words, it's not all gonna to happen today. It's not all gonna to happen today. Or even tomorrow, or even the next day. And you, know, you forget, if you're in a hurry, like the Jews were to uh, kick out the Romans and get uh, the kingdom established, you need this parable. So in verse 12, he says, uh, uh, a man of noble birth, here's the story, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. We're about to celebrate the noble birth, aren't we? The noble birth of the king. Uh, it seems kind of almost ignoble because Jesus was born in a cave in a little town called Bethlehem with animals around and not a bunch of you know, fanfare. But it was still nobility being born in the earth. And then he said he was going to go to a distant country. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, then grew up, lived his life, died in our place, rose again. And then went back to this distant country from which he came. Uh, and it says in order to be, um, to have himself appointed king and then to return. So there's a, there's a gap. There's a period of time in which the kingdom is going to be completely established. And, and to say to them, hey, this isn't going to happen uh, just like right now. And uh, verse 13, so, so he's given an example here. So he called his 10 servants. This is before he, he left for the distant country. This, this man of noble birth called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. That's NIV, minas. Does your version say pounds or something like that? He uh, gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Put this money to work until I come back. That's really the operative term. That phrase there, put this money to work. Let's say that. Put this money to work. And by the way, uh, tell somebody next to you, I believe him when he says, this is not a, uh, a, he's not going to receive an offering after this message. I believe him that he's not really teaching us about money today. Tell somebody, I believe him because he says it. He wouldn't lie to us. This isn't a message on money. It's a message on life. It's about stewardship of your life, okay? So just, because I, I just saw, when we went there, I just saw people just closing up right away, you know, guarding their wallets and their purses, putting them under the chairs and stuff. So just chill a little bit. I'm not talking about money today. I might another day, but I'm not today, okay? And he, and he called his 10 servants, gave them 10 minas, which, you know, meaning 10 guys, 10 minas, 1 mina apiece and uh, mine is about 20 bucks, you know. In Jesus' day, that's a lot more than it is today, but 20 bucks, not a whole lot, maybe a couple months' uh, wages. But put, put this money to work. How long did they have to put the money to work? What does it say? How long did they have to put the money to work? Until I come back. So how long is that? See, we don't know. And uh, so if they're smart, they, when do they start? right away because if it's 3 days he's gone uh won't hurt to put it to you know use right away but if it's 30 days or 3 months or 3 years or 30 years and if all you got's the 20 bucks then what you want to do is put it to use so that you can even you, you can at least even though this is a parable I think about eternal values you can at least live on the return of the money that you put to use here and I think just to jump kind of right into about this whole thing about spiritual investment versus spending, I think some Christians don't even, don't even invest what God gave them enough to survive the Christian life here on the earth, let alone storing up treasures in heaven. I think some Christians don't even live a life of investment enough for even the modicum of living surviving as a Christian here. Now, I don't think the parable is all about surviving as a Christian here, but I'm just saying, I, I, don't, I wouldn't wait too long before you started to invest what God has invested in you, okay? And he says, put it to work. King James says, occupy till I come. That was the, that, if somebody were to say, you know, what did Jesus say in this parable? Uh, I would have always thought of that King James uh, phrase, occupy until I come. Some people get preoccupied with the coming of the Lord and never occupy, you know. But actually, you know what? Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar at all, but I can look up a Greek word or two. And this Greek word is the word from which we get pragmatic. It's the Greek word "pragmatoumai." We get our word pragmatic from it. Pragmatic, actually, this word means skilled in business. Uh, when we use the word pragmatic, we're talking about being practical And if you want to be a practical Christian, take what God has invested in you and invest it in something that matters. And I don't just mean money now. I'm talking about your life, your time and your talent and your treasure. And when Jesus says, do business with this, uh, invest this uh, until I come back, Uh, put this money to work. And uh, it's the practical application of God giving you something. And then he says in verse 14, but his subjects, now these are different people now, but his subjects, he had ten servants in verse 13, but in verse 14 he says his subjects hated him. These aren't the same as the ten, these are some other guys, and some versions say the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king, we don't want this man to be our king. Now, that's not the same as the 10, but these other guys, they don't even want him to be king, let alone have his investment, let alone invest for his kingdom's sake uh, for themselves, or, or for themselves for that matter. They reject his rulership. They reject everything about him. We don't want him to be our king. <clears throat> and, and so all these people can do is spend their lives. That's all they can do is spend their lives. Spend their best years doing this or doing that, but they're spending their lives and at the end, it's just spent. If you don't have anything to invest and you don't have anything to invest in, then what you have is a very sad life that doesn't have anything beyond itself. And that's a very sad way to live, really. Honestly, it is. Because really what we have here might be kind of cool and glitzy, but it really fizzles out uh, real quick when you, when, you, when you see it in comparison to the eternal value that God has uh, invested in us so he's invested in us and he wants us to invest but we can initially even just say I don't even want him to be my king let alone take his investment and invest that so there's these 10 servants they received the investment these other citizens didn't even want him to be their king verse 15 I love the way NIV says it he was made king however meaning it it really didn't matter I mean it matters that they don't want him to be their king it does matter but it doesn't matter in terms of whether or not he actually gets to be king. Do you know what I mean? In other words, when Jesus uh, went back to the father, it wasn't like the father said, you know, I've been thinking about this. I looked at the reaction. I mean, they crucified you and all. Most of them don't want you to be their king, so I guess you just don't get to be king. That's just not the way it worked. He was made king, however, uh, Jesus was, and returned home. Now, this is his return to the earth, this part of the parable. And he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. So he's king now, and he comes back to find out what they'd gained uh, with it at his coming. Their investment had matured. Let me ask you a question. When is your investment mature? When is it mature? When is your spiritual life investment mature? Well, I'd say, first of all, when he says it is, right? When God says it is mature. And when is that? When does it actually mature to where the investing is now? That, now we got to make, the, we're, we're, we're going to call in all of our investments. When is that? Death or return of Christ. One of the two, right? Whichever one happens first. Either you die or Jesus comes back. That's when your investment is mature. You don't really get to choose that. That's not anything that's really under your control. So as a result of that, you want to what? Make your investment now and be adamant uh, because we just don't know when we're gonna die or when Jesus is gonna come back. That's when the investment matures. I like what he says here in verse 16. When the first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. I like it. Your mina has earned, sir. In other words, there's, there's respect. Sir, he's one of the servants, sir. And I like what he says, your mina. Not my mina. Not Mike's mina. Not Mary's mina. But your mina. Not my mina. I don't have a mina. It's just, it's always been yours. It's been under my stewardship. But I, it's your, sir, your mina has matured. It's earned 10 more. What does he say about himself there in that, when he comes, when he responds to the, to the nobleman, what does he say about himself there in that sentence, verse 16? What does he say about himself? Yeah, I mean, he didn't say anything about himself. He said only, he said, sir, your mina, as as though I was there and I did my part, but I want you to know that what you invested in me had power in it, and I'm just amazed as you are. (laughs) that there's 10 more that, I mean, it, there's power in what Jesus has invested in you. It's not totally up to you is what I'm trying to say to have the, the perfect way of doing things and, and have this, uh, 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 this, you know, world evangelistic personality type. It, a lot of it just has to do with the fact that there's power in the kingdom of God and what he put in you, it will earn, if you'll just stay out of the way a lot of time, if you just stay out of the way, then it will earn 10 more. It will do, there's power in what Jesus has invested in you. Amen? So he says, "Your sir, your mina. And there's something, I'm going to talk about personal responsibility in a minute, but just the emphasis of the humble servant saying, dude, I, I mean, I, I did my best, but I, it really wasn't about what I did. It was about the mina that you gave, had power in it. It earned 10 more. But then in verse uh, 17, I love how he commends him. Well done. I, I live for the well done. I don't know about you. My good servant. Because you have been trustworthy, verse 17, in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. Well done, my good servant. What a great commendation. Trustworthy. That's what you got to be As faithful. Not successful, but faithful. Jesus helped me to remember that in this very small matter. Now, uh, every parable doesn't teach every truth, right? I mean, each parable teaches a truth or two, and you can't try to, if you try to make every detail of a parable to be allegorically fulfilled in some kind of human context, then you're gonna get, probably have some problems with the way that you interpret parables because you're just going to try to make them say too many things. Uh, in terms of this very small matter, if, you, if you've tried to, to say, well, then God doesn't really give us much. Well, that's not what Jesus is teaching. But I, I do think that he does set the parable up for us to come to the point where we go, well, 20 bucks, not much. Well, then it doesn't really matter if I invest it, does it? Because it's like in the garden, a, a f- piece of fruit, I was gonna say an apple, it doesn't say an apple, but... As a piece, One little piece of fruit was the big issue. It's sometimes it's the small matters that create a context for a big decision. Do you, know, you know what I'm saying? Because we're, we're accountable to a big God. But as you look at your life, do you feel sometimes it's a very small... It doesn't really matter if... I mean, how much difference could my meager, small, little life make if I do invest? What, why should I even bother that? How many have ever thought about that at all? Ever thought that way? It doesn't really matter if I do this or don't this in the grand scheme of things. Maybe somebody else will, and they have more than I. Notice in this parable, it's not the same as the parable of the talents. In the parable of the talents, they got different different amounts, right? But in this one, they all got the same thing. So in that very small matter, and I think that very small matter is our perception of our lives. And I think he's, he's saying, you know, you were faithful in this very small matter of properly stewarding your life. You know, my little mina won't make any difference. Well, it does. Because it has power in it, and you invest that, and God makes a difference on an eternal level by the way that we live our lives here. It, it matters. Your life really matters. On an eternal level, it does. And he, he says... Uh, Take charge of 10 cities. Now, there's this, this whole thing about spiritual rulership. You know, when he per- first put us on the earth, he said, rule, take dominion rule over the earth. And uh, we didn't do that very well. Uh, our father, mother, Adam and Eve uh, gave away the keys to the planet like pretty soon after they, start, they were here. And so we have been doing poorly ever since, even managing our own lives and taking, ruling and reigning over our own lives. I mean, just even learning to rule over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Not that we rule over the devil in the sense that he does what we tell him to do. But he, at least he t- you know, when we tell him to stay away, we have authority in Jesus' name. We have authority to, to walk in victory over our, our, uh, the lusts of our flesh and the pride of life and so on. And so when he talks about 10 cities, I don't know if we're going to like be mayors and governors and congressmen in in that, uh, on planets. I don't know about all that. I don't think this is a proof that, you know, there's life on other planets and we're going to go be mayors and congressmen. But I think he's putting it in context of this. Your stewardship is not going to be over in the eternal state. I think your stewardship only gets catalyzed, only gets multiplied so that we get to invest our life. Heaven isn't just hanging out, right? I think He's got a purpose, a grand purpose for us to partner with Him. So He says, You're going to manage or you're going to take charge of 10 cities, a spiritual investment, eternal stewardship, whole deal. Verse 18. The second came to Him, the second servant, He gave a mina to. Sir, your mina has earned five more. So there's back to the sir, there's the respect, and it's earned five more. And the master, said take charge of five cities so there's the multiplication for this this guy but notice there's not a well done he doesn't say well done to this one he doesn't call him faithful my my inclination is to Jesus is showing us different strata of responsibility here and the first one uh, took more responsibility and was was commended for it this one took lesser the first one was Faithful. This, one which, this one is less faithful. He's faithful, but less faithful with the same amount. This is not the parable of the talents. It's a different parable. You're less faithful than you could have been. And so he, he doesn't commend him as much, but he does multiply the spiritual responsibility on an eternal level and gives him five cities. Not bad, not bad, but not necessarily the best. But he didn't do his best. He did good, but he didn't do his best. I want to do my best. How about you? So there's the faithful, there's the less faithful, and then in verse 20, the unfaithful. Look at this. Another servant. Then another servant. Actually, the Greek text says the other servant. The other. The other servant. Came and said, Sir, respect. Right? Your mina, he knows it belongs to God. So that's good. He's a servant, he's a Christian, sir. Your mina, here it is. I kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was just holding on to it. The cloth uh, is, uh, the Greek indicates that it's a sweat cloth, sorry for using that word. But you know, you live, I mean, they don't have, I don't know, dial soap, they don't have showers everywhere. And you, so you got, especially if you're working, you're a laborer, you got a sweat cloth. Sweat cloth. Uh, this guy didn't need his, because he wasn't planning on doing any sweating anyway. Because he was just gonna, uh, he was not gonna do anything with the money that he got. So he had an extra sweat cloth hanging around, and so he could put the the deal in there. And it's like work gloves. How many of you have hanging in your garage, brand new, never used work gloves? Still, that's what I'm talking about, Henning. Still with the with the. Uh, Staple holding them together, you know what I'm saying? You hang them up. So This guy's got an extra sweat cloth, and he kept it, not willing to take a risk. Here's the deal. There's, how many of you found out there's a risk involved in the Christian life? There's risks every day. And a lot of us spend a lot of energy avoiding risk. And if you uh, make your life more manageable like that, uh, get rid of all the risk, you end up in a cocoon, of self-protection and then wonder why you're suffocating in that cocoon. Christian life, investment, we'll talk another day, because this is going to be a few messages we'll talk about. Investment is, there's a risk involved. When you invest, there's risk. It's like sowing seed. You put the the seed in the soil, and and you don't know if it's going to come up or not, but you you take a risk. Verse 21, the guy says, this is the reason, because I was afraid of you, Do you think that's the relationship that God is looking for from us? I was afraid of you. Certainly a healthy, reverential fear, but I was afraid of you. I don't think that's what... I think this guy, well, let's, let's read on. I was afraid of you because you were a hard man. The Greek word is one we get our word austere from, which means dried and crusty. Inflexible, you were a hard, stringent, dried up, crusty man that, that wouldn't, didn't have any room for, for uh, creativity or, or me in your heart. You were just trying to get something from me. Were, I was afraid because you're an austere man. And look, you take out what you didn't put in and reap what you didn't sow. You just want stuff from me, God, and you're not helping me. God is the kind of, he, what he is, is he just created us so he would have a workforce. Kind of like in the Lord of the Rings where the wizard or whatever he is, is he doesn't care about those, those orcs. So God, just, you just created me to get work out of me. You never help me. You don't put anything in. You just take stuff out. Do you think that's true? That's not true. And I think one of the reasons we don't steward our mina very well is because we have a wrong concept of God. We don't see God as the father who gives us stuff and then says, this is going to be exciting. I'm going to give you an opportunity to invest this and then we'll come back and we'll talk about that investment and then we'll partner together in, in stewarding this kind of ever increasing kind of deal that's going on here. And then in, in an eternal state, I'm just going to totally blow your mind and you're going to have this whole thing just working because of, of my investment in you. And I'm asking you to just give your whole life to invest what I've invested in you. It's exciting. I'm for you. I want you to succeed. That's the father. That's the biblical model of God. But if you have the other model, then you'll probably put it in the sweat rag and hold on to it and just hand it back to him at the end. How many of them got minus? Ten of them got minus. How many have we talked about so far? Three of them. So there's seven others that he doesn't even talk about. So there's plenty of room for uh, some other varieties of, of expression of stewardship of your life. In the investment of your life. In other words, you can, there's plenty of room for you in the parables, is what I'm saying. It isn't all sewn up. You, maybe you're going to be like the first guy, maybe the second guy, hopefully not the third guy, but maybe somewhere in between. There's uh, seven others there. And do you want on your, your headstone? Uh, he spent his life here, or he existed. Is that what you're looking for? I want, if, 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 it's, if, if anything, I want it. He invested his life for the kingdom of God. He invested his life in something that mattered. Are you investing your life in something that matters? Verse 22, his master replied, I'll judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I didn't put in and reaping what I didn't sow? It's a question. NIV has a question mark there. I think it belongs there. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take this mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine, now there's the citizens who said, don't, he can't be my king. Who did not want me to be king over them, bring them to... Uh, bring them here and kill them in front of me Do you see the four different categories of people there's the faithful there's the not as faithful there's the the unfaithful servants all of them and then there's the faithless or the uninterested the rejecters of his authority to begin with I mean I just don't even want to be in the mix here I don't care to be an investor because I don't want Jesus to be my king And I know that a lot of us feel like, you know, people have so many intellectual objections. Primarily, it's just, I don't want Jesus to be my king. That's why people reject. That's why I rejected Christ as long as I did. Because, dude, I wanted to be in charge of my life. That's it's my life. But when you get over that and kind of get over yourself a bit. (laughs) How many of you are over yourself? Just a bit. Anyway, you get over yourself a bit and you go, sign me up. I want to be. Yes, you can be my king. Then you get to be invested in and then you invest. And so it's a much better, it's much better to be over here in the investment group than it is to be over there and never even uh, receiving Jesus as your king. So obviously the best of the three over here is to be one of the faithful. I plead with you. Let's be faithful investors of our lives. Don't spend your life. Don't, don't spend it. Invest it in something that has life in it with that matters eternally. And I can't tell you exactly what to do about that. That's between you and Jesus. I can't say, well, should you be one of these and go to this college or have one, have this career or marry this person or uh, or buy this kind of thing or that kind of thing? I can't tell you about I can. But I can tell you that the one that's invested his heart and life into you, he'll show you what's the best way to invest your life. He can do that. And uh, I I plead with you to, to invest your whole life in what eternally matters.